But today I'd love for you to take your notes out and write some of these things down that we're going to discuss this morning because this conversation is not just for Sunday. I know I need it tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday. It's fun to be inspired and lifted up in church on Sunday. But when that coworker is driving us crazy or that situation arises that we thought was dealt with, it's this is that's when we need some of these important promises that we're talking about today. The title of the message as we celebrate the good news of Easter is this statement right here. That stone was rolled away. I even gave you a little sticker today for you can put that somewhere. I put it on the back of my phone. I've been seeing it all week to remind myself that thank God, just as we sang today, that stone was rolled away. Meaning, once again, that Jesus is alive. Meaning today that we do not believe or serve or trust a God who is dead or a God who is distant. We trust and have given our life to a God who is involved, who has stepped down into humanity, who proved how much he loved us by sending his one and only son to this earth, his son, Jesus, who is here with us today. Maybe you've been in church a long time. It's your first time in church in a while. Or maybe someone just brought you here, dragged you here, maybe is a better way to describe it. We're thankful. And the one desire of our heart is that you could know Jesus today. Not to know some sort of religion or some sort of church, but to know the person of Jesus. To know who he is and what he has for you. To know that he is truly a good God. So I would encourage you over these next few moments, open your hearts, open your minds. Let's have a conversation together. Here's why I want to give you two quick things. The first thing is that this verse I love, it comes from 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1 through 5. And it's written by Peter who followed Jesus. And he says this, what a God we have. Would you underline that for me today? What a God we have. It's not about the God the pastor has up on stage or the singers or the volunteers. It's the God that we have, that we can know, that we can experience. It's available for every single one of us today. And how fortunate we are to have him, the father of our master, Jesus. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, what we're celebrating today, we've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for, including a future in heaven. You may feel like it's dark right now. You may feel like it's difficult right now. I want to promise you there is future for your life because there is a future in heaven with Jesus. He's with you today. And the future starts now because God is keeping careful watch over us and the future. And the day is coming when you'll have it all. As the pastor of this church, that's my prayer today. That you could be healed and whole. That your life would be healed today. That you could be found whole today and complete, forgiven and set free. Stepping, maybe for the first time, or stepping deeper into a relationship with Jesus. Because it's about how God has stepped down into our life. I'd love for you to write this down for me. What is Easter, the celebration? Well, Easter is the celebration of the complete and ultimate triumph over evil. I want you to understand that there is no evil that can stand against what Jesus did on the cross. There is no evil that can stand in your life against the name of Jesus. That when that stone was rolled away, Jesus conquered sin and death and gray and the grave, and he made a way when there was no way. He paid the price that we couldn't pay. He became the ultimate sacrifice for us as the ultimate triumph over evil. I want you to know, we don't have to guess who wins in the end. Spoiler alert, Jesus does, all right? And it wasn't even close. I know I enjoy watching a close game. I watch a, a close battle, whatever it may be. It's exciting. But this battle wasn't even close. 
when Jesus walked out of that grave alive, it was done complete and the triumph and victory was won for us. See, Easter and this thing we call having a relationship with God isn't about doing, it's about realizing what's been done for you and I. Because again, write this down for me today, I want you to hold on to this this week, is that the Easter resurrection is not an event, it's a person. I want you to know a person today. I want you to know Jesus. I want you to know who he is and how he was more than just a historical person. He's the son of God here on this earth who is alive today. And I love what Jesus tells us is that the reason it's not an event is because Jesus' promise is this in the book of John, as we'll read a little bit more in the book of John today, who was again a follower and disciple of Jesus. Jesus tells us that he is the resurrection and the life. What's available to you and I today? Resurrection, stepping out of the grave that we may feel like our life is right now. But also, it doesn't stop there. There's life ahead. There's a future for us. There's hope ahead. There is fullness ahead and strength and encouragement. Right before we pray and jump into this, I wanted to share with you that I was reading about how Time Magazine a few years ago did a study of the 100 most significant and greatest events in history. They compiled this book and Within this book are events like the invention of the airplane and the printing press and the invention of the car. They talk about things like the World War and the coming down of the Berlin Wall. They talk about historical figures like Martin Luther King Jr. and Abraham Lincoln and Napoleon Bonaparte. Well, on that list of the hundred most, hundred most great events of history, number four, they have it written down, the life of Jesus. And I believe if these historians could understand what the life of Jesus really signified, it would be an easy number one that everybody in history could agree on. Because he's the only one that said, hey, I'm going to come back to life when I die. I am going to show you what the power of God looks like on this earth. He is the only one to live life, to die, and then come back again in three days. Listen, what we're celebrating today, why it's the greatest event in history, the greatest person we could possibly ever know, is because it's about the life of Jesus, the death of Jesus, and the resurrection of Jesus today that is available to you and I so that we could be forgiven and set free and have life and life to the fullest. Come on, if you're thankful for that, give me a good amen. Let's get excited for what God is going to do in our conversation today. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? I'm excited for this message today, as you can probably tell, because today is a message of joy and excitement and thankfulness. Let's pray today. Father, I'm so thankful for everyone here. I'm so thankful for your son, Jesus. And Jesus, I just want to personally thank you for stepping into my life. You made a way when there's no, there was no way. You saved me when I didn't deserve it. You stepped into my life when I couldn't earn it. And here we are. You gotta pray for everyone here in this room that may, it may feel like, God, you're so far away or that, God, that you've forgotten about them. I I pray today that you would just speak to them, that you're glad they're here and it's no accident they're sitting in that seat because they have a story and that story matters to you. So God, we listen, we lean in, we open our hearts to you today. Gotta pray for all of our kids in local city kids today. I pray they would have an amazing day in church learning about Jesus and having fun and enjoying their time in church as well because we're all in church together. We love you, Lord. We're excited for what you're gonna do here today, this morning, in Jesus' name. Once again, we all say, let's give a good, strong amen as we jump into the message today. 
And I'm going to ask you to do me one last favor. There's a special group of people that are watching this morning. We're watching from home, enjoying Easter with us. And I would love for you to give them a shout and a clap so they can hear you. Would you welcome everybody watching Local City Church online today? We're so glad you're with us. Whether you're watching on Facebook or YouTube or watching later in the week, happy Easter Sunday. Let's have a great day. I think about the Easter story, and I think about the disciples that followed Jesus for years of their life. Many of them left their jobs and their families to follow Jesus. They sacrificed a lot because they realized when Jesus looked them in the eye and said, hey, let's change the world, come follow me, he really meant it. And I think about the Saturday between Good Friday and Easter Sunday. I've heard historians and scholars talk about how it was the period of silence where it felt like God was so far away. It felt like God had been defeated. It felt like Jesus had failed. I don't know about you, but I know there's times in my life where I've really been wanting some good news. I've been getting a lot of bad news and seasons of my life, and I just want some good news. Someone to step in and say, hey, it's not always gonna be this way. It gets better. There's good news ahead. Well, we're celebrating the good news that is Jesus. And I always love to relate it to things that actually happen in our lives and things that happen maybe that we read about in the news or in social media. A few weeks ago, I shared about this story about a guy who bought Tom Brady's final touchdown football pass that he bought it for over $500,000. $518,000 this guy paid for a football. Now, if you know the story, you know that the very next day, Tom Brady came out of retirement, meaning that this once really valuable football was now pretty much worthless because, hey, we live in Champa Bay, and we know Tom Brady's going to be throwing some more football touchdown passes for our Tampa Bay Bucks, and maybe a little repeat Super Bowl this year, if I can get a good amen on that for all my Bucks fans out there. I always say it this way, I don't know if my prayers make a difference on the field or, you know, they'll let the lightning just clinch the playoffs, but, you know, I'm going to pray like they do because it matters to me, it matters to God. There's a good lesson as well in that. But the funny thing is, is that this guy that obviously had the worst news, imagine spending that much money on a football. I've made some stupid purchases in my life, but that's definitely high on the list. And then in 24 hours, you know that Tom Brady said he wasn't retired. He's coming back, like right after this guy bought it. Well, just a few days ago, there was some great news that I read that I'm sure this guy was super happy to see. If you'll throw it up on the screen, the sale of the ball used for Tom Brady's presumed final touchdown pass was voided. I guess in the contract, it had some sort of stipulation that if within 24 hours, things change, the sale is void. Now, who know, now how many of us know this guy was probably down on his knees thanking God that it was going to be okay? I don't know if the person that sold it was excited. I don't know. But it, what a crazy amount of good news. And I think about the story that we're going to unpack today. See, the disciples, they are so afraid in this moment, in this Saturday moment after Jesus has died. They are carrying so much fear, so much worry, that they lock themselves in their house to hide from the Roman soldiers and the religious leaders at that time, because they believe what's next for them is what happened to Jesus, death. And so they hide away. And then when they think they've made the worst decision ever, giving their lives to follow this guy named Jesus, watching the stone rolled in front of the grave, presumably saying, that's it, it's over, they receive some good news on an early Sunday morning from one of their friends. 
And as one of your friends of, of the house today at Local City Church, I want to bring you some good news on an early Sunday morning. Look up on the screen or on your notes today. In John chapter 20, starting in verse 1, here's what it says. It says, early on Sunday morning while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away. Would you one, one more time underline that phrase for me? The stone had been rolled away. They want you to know that. In every gospel, it says that line. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it says the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. And she ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. Now, let me take a break for a second here and give you some insight on what's happening. Now, this isn't the, this isn't the gospel of John. John was the youngest disciple that followed Jesus. And I love how John in his gospel, he never refers to himself as John. He refers to himself as the one whom Jesus loved. I don't know about you, but if I was one of the disciples and I was, got a hold of this gospel, this manuscript that John was writing, and I would say, John, come on, buddy. The one who Jesus loved, I mean, he loved all of us. Did you really have to refer to yourself that way? Couldn't you just say John? I mean, come on, that's what Matthew did. He did fine. It's one of those things of you have those friends that are like, yeah, that's just John. They just do that. They're a little sensitive. They're a little poetic. They're a little emotional. Right? I grew up with emo music, so I know what it's like to write those, those beautiful lyrics on the napkin about your recent breakup and all that stuff. Maybe that's John a little bit. But he writes, I'm the one who Jesus loved. Okay, John, we get it. But Mary Magdalene says to them, they've taken the Lord's body out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. Now I wanna hold on this phrase for a second because you have to understand, Jesus was not unclear about what was going to happen. He did not leave the disciples guessing what was going to happen. He said, hey, I'm gonna give my life. I am going to die. But in three days, I am going to come back to life. I am going to walk out of that grave alive. Isn't it interesting how in life, all the things can begin to make us doubt what God said? Do you know what the very, the, the very first sin in the Bible is? Is when the enemy comes to Adam and Eve, Satan, he comes as a snake, and he says to Eve, did God really say that? And it causes us to second guess what God really says. See, I believe sometimes the biggest temptation or doubt and question we can wrestle with is, did God really say that? Did God really say that he loves me? Did God really say that he's more than enough? Did God really say that there was a way to know him and have a relationship with his son, Jesus? Well, yes, he did. And we can hold on to that truth and that promise today. Because what happens is Mary begins to jump right to the bad news. It couldn't be that Jesus actually did what he said he did. Something else must have happened. Have you ever had news that was too good to be true? And you just thought, what's going on here? I think it's human sometimes. We'll have seasons in our life where everything's going well. Work's going well. We get that promotion. People are really nice to us on social media. Our relationships and friendships are going over the moon. Like, it's great. What's happening? And we come to these, real, these moments where we're like, is this real life? Am I dreaming? Should I pinch myself right now? And what happens is we begin to lose sight of the fact that, hey, God's involved in our life and he cares. And he's going to protect you, and he's going to be there for you. And sometimes things are going to happen. Actually, all the time, things are going to happen the way he says. So Mary Magdalene makes up something out of kind of her own despair and her own fear, thinking that we don't know where they've put him. Who is the they? The Roman soldiers, or the religious leaders. Her first reaction is that someone's done something to Jesus. 
Which, when you know that Jesus is a guy who's already raised people from the dead, who's fed 5,000 people with some loaves and fish, who's healed the sick and made the blind see and helped lame people walk, like, okay, maybe he did what he said he was going to do. The first reaction is disbelief. The first reaction is doubt. And actually, what, what Mary Magdalene says is actually two lies that people have written about Easter Sunday. One of the lies that people have written, even historians have claimed, is that the disciples stole the body of Jesus out of the tomb. Now, if you've read any stories in the Bible with the disciples, you would see how laughable that premise is. The disciples, are you kidding me? The guys that when Jesus said, hey, would you pray for me, they fell asleep? The guys that when Jesus was going through his most difficult time going to the cross, they were nowhere to be found? The guys who constantly stuck their foot in, the, in their mouth because the dumb things that they would say? You're talking about the disciples like James and John who had their mother come to Jesus and say, hey, would you make room for my sons, James and John, like peewee football, like can my son have more playing time? Like that's what these disciples, grown men, had their mom do in front of Jesus. These disciples overpowered some of the greatest soldiers of all time? No way. There's no way that happened. Because I've seen what they do in the stories. They'd run in fear, which they did. They were cowered away in their homes. The second lie that historians have written down and people have believed is that maybe the religious leaders or the Roman soldiers took Jesus' body out. But the thing is, it, the whole point of Jesus being crucified on the cross was to show he wasn't who he said he was. The religious leaders wanted to prove to people he was not the son of God. The Roman Empire wanted to quell this guy who was saying that the kings on earth have no power over the king in heaven and the creator of the world. So if they stole the body of Jesus, the first thing they would do is display it and say, see, he really is dead. But you can't find Jesus' body. There's no bones of Jesus' body anywhere on this earth because the stone was rolled away and he walked out of that grave alive. What we have to understand is that we can't make up things that just aren't true. Sometimes it's just by surrendering to the things that God has said that are true. Let's keep going in this story. I want you to see some more things. Peter and the other disciple started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Now, again, I got to stop because I just can't let, John, I can't let John get away with this stuff. I just can't let him get away with writing the things that he writes. Now, imagine, Peter is one of the older disciples, maybe even the oldest disciple. John is the youngest disciple. At that time in culture, if you just didn't run as a man. It wasn't dignifying. It wasn't honoring. You just, a, a respectful position was not running. One, because they wore like sandals, and I don't know if you ever ran in sandals before. It's not easy, especially when you got all the ropes that they were dealing with wrapping around their feet. They were running in robes. You ever run in a robe before? It's no fun. Your knees get all knocked together. It's all tight. It's not like free-flowing shorts or anything like that. They don't have the right athletic gear for what they're doing, but they're running, getting dirty, running to the tomb because of this good news that they've heard. And I love that John says, just so you know, for all of time, I am faster than Peter. I'm like, John, of course you are. He's old. You're young. You're supposed to be. I just, I got to go out, you know, in heaven one day, I'm going to go up to John and be like, John, why did you write that? <laughs> like, was it really important for people to know? Yes, it was. it was. Okay, fine. It was just funny to me that you had to say that I outran him, but here's what I love that John also includes, because in a couple sentences, he'll completely remove maybe that prideful statement and step into one of humility, where he says, 
when he, John stoops down and looked in and saw the linen wrappings, which that's what Jesus was buried in, lying there. But this is important. But he didn't go in. But he didn't go in. And this is why I love Peter. Peter just, you know, jumped before he thought all the time. Peter ran right in, arrived and went in, and he also noticed the linen wrappings lying there, and while the cloth had covered Jesus' head, was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings, even in resurrection, Jesus made his bed. Uh, Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed. For until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead, and then they went home. Now, I love this picture. I love this story. I love John's description of what's going on. Because this is the big thing I want you to understand. The big thing I want you to hold on to today, that when people ask you, hey, you went to church on Sunday for Easter, what'd they talk about? This is the sentence I want you to say to them. Is that, that the stone was rolled away, but not to let Jesus out, but to let us in. The stone was rolled away, not to let Jesus out, but to let us in. Jesus was not trapped by the stone. They could not create a stone or rock big enough that could keep Jesus trapped. These people did not kill Jesus. He laid his life down willingly as a sacrifice for you and me. He says multiple times that I did not come to be served, but to serve you and give my life as a ransom for many. Jesus laid down his life, and that stone had no power over him because he could have gotten out what he wanted. It wasn't necessarily about Jesus being powerless. It was about him being powerful and walking in humility and knowing that the stone was rolled away so that you and I can walk in. We don't have to sit on the outside anymore. We don't have to sit on the outside and look. Now see, John runs up to the edge of the grave, the edge of the tomb, and stays on the outside. And I believe that might be relatable for a lot of us today. You'll see church today, you see people being excited about Jesus. You've been in church a few times or you come every Easter, but each time you stand on the outside, And see, there's no one in there, so that means Jesus is alive, and we're celebrating it today. But it's too much to go inside. It's too much for me to go in. Because here's the thing, I I didn't bring this to do the hula hoop because I'm in a suit, Uh, but this this kind of symbolizes how big the opening of the tomb was, about three feet wide. And it says when John ran up to the tomb, he had to look in. He had to stoop down. I know we see the big drawings and pictures of the big open tomb and the big rock rolled away. Well, it was more of a smaller entrance. And it was a wealthy man's tomb that gifted this to Jesus where he could be buried. And so John looks down. Now, right now, just normal life, the way I look right now, I mean, it's easy to step in. But I believe John was carrying some things that you and I are carrying as well in our life. See, I think sometimes we, we begin to carry things that hold us back from stepping into the things of Jesus. So I have all these backpacks here. It's, you think about your life, and you think about all the things that you're doing, and you think about all the things you're carrying, the stress of your job and, and fighting for acceptance or, or that influence on social media or the relationships that you have. It just becomes baggage that we carry. Well, as we talked about on Good Friday, Jesus carried the cross, so he knows what you're carrying today. But what what begins to happen is we begin to put these things on and we just carry them through our life. That fight for acceptance, that fight just to succeed, the fight to pay bills, the fight to just live life. But then it goes deeper than that, right? Because then life has relationships. Life has relationships that we juggle. Adrian and I have been married for years now and we have one son who's four. We have another baby on the way in September and we're excited about that, but that's another thing we carry. Marriage and parenting and family and friendships. Some relationships are a blessing. Some are eh, not so much, more of a burden, right? But we have to have them. 
We begin to carry them around. The second thing is then you think about the depths of our emotions. Again, we talked about mental health earlier, the fears and anxieties that we deal with. And we begin to carry these around. We've let those things label us. That we just say, well, I, just, I, I am anxious, or I deal with anxiety, or I deal with fear, or I deal with depression, and it's from my past, the, the things that, the hurt, hurts and abuses that I've walked through. I'm not downplaying any of that, and I'm not downplaying the need for counseling and therapy. Man, when my dad passed away, suddenly when I was 26 years old, I mean, the first thing I did was step into grief counseling, because I needed it. But the thing I had to also understand was that I couldn't get through this alone. Because what would happen is I needed to really come to grips with my relationship with God that I carry as well. The doubts and questions that I have. I'll never forget during my grief counseling after my dad died, my counselor looked at me right in the eyes and he said, hey, do you believe God's big enough for you to be angry with him? Do you believe God's big enough for your sadness? Do you believe God's big enough for your doubts and questions? I remember taking a breath and confidently saying yes. So I know that we have doubts, I know we have questions, maybe we're dealing with church hurt from the past. But the thing is that now that when we walk, when we walk up to the, to the entrance of this tomb where the stone has been rolled away, we see it's open. We see that Jesus isn't there and that we can go in. But we've allowed so much stuff to weigh us down. We've allowed so much stuff to burden us that it becomes impossible to even get in to the things and the new life that Jesus has given us through his conquering of death and resurrection. But here's a, here's a thing for you. It's that Jesus gave his life on the cross, and so that means I can lay all those issues of fear, of anxiety, depression, stress, I can lay it at the foot of the cross, and Jesus will take care of it. I can lay all my relationships, my friendships, my marriage, my family at the foot of the cross, and Jesus will help me carry it. I can lay my life, all that fight for acceptance or success or approval, whatever it may be, I can lay those things down at the foot of the cross and Jesus will be there for me and hold them all together. And most importantly, when I see what God was willing to do for me by sending his one and only son, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, I can realize I can lay my doubts and questions at the foot of the cross as well because look what God has done, look what God is doing in my life. So when I come to the outside, I realize the stone has been rolled away, not to let Jesus out, but so that I can freely, even if I gotta flex a little bit and stretch, I can step into the things of God. I don't have to stand on the outside anymore. I can step into the forgiveness and freedom and healing that God has for me. I can step into the new life that Jesus has given me. Come on, if you're thankful for that, give me a better amen than that. And we're thankful for what God's doing there. don't have to stand on the outside anymore. And as the band joins me on stage, I want to give you the last few things to think about today. Just four quick things I believe that all complement this idea that the stone was rolled away, not just to let Jesus out, but to let us in. What is it letting us into? Well, the first thing, it's letting us into power to transform the darkest situations. I don't know what you've walked here in this place with, but I know God does. If it's on your heart, It's on God's heart. If it matters to you, it matters to God. And the situations may seem like there's no end in sight. It may seem like there is no light at the end of the tunnel, but we know that there is the light of the world that has a name, and that name is Jesus, and the darkness can never overcome or outshine the light that we have in Jesus. So I want you to know today, you have power on your side to transform the most dark of situations. It may not happen tomorrow, but I promise you, if you step into that direction of stepping into the things of Jesus, one step deeper into freedom and the power of 
God that he has for you. You'll get to a place where you look around and realize, how did that issue get resolved? How did that relationship get healed? How did that forgiveness happen in my life? Because I realized that it's not my power, it's the power of God that conquered sin and death and the grave that is on my side today. And it's transformed my situation simply because I laid it at the feet of Jesus and stepped into the new life that he purchased for me. The next thing is that it's hope to even the most broken lives. Man, a lot of my life was lived so, so fake. If everyone thought I was doing so well or things were so great, would smile and laugh, and, but inside I was broken. Inside I was messed up. Inside I just needed to know that, man, I had a place in God's family. I needed to know that Jesus just wants to be with me. I needed to know that there was always hope because hope has a name, and that name is Jesus. I want you to know today there is no life, situation, relationship, heart, mind, emotional state. There is nothing too broken that God cannot fix. There is nothing too broken that God looks like, oh, well, I can't put that back together. No, Jesus' hands gets down in the dirt and puts you back together. He takes all the broken pieces and builds it back into the masterpiece that you were created to be. It's not my power. It's not about my own willingness or work ethic. It's about the sacrifice that was made for me through Jesus. It's about not what I do, but what's been done for me. It's about the hope I have in a person, not a religion, and that person is Jesus, and I just so desperately want you to know him because he's hope for even the most broken lives can be healed today. Don't stand on the outside because what you can walk into are these powerful things today as we close. I want you to walk into healing and out of pain. I don't want you to deal with the pain of your past anymore. I don't want you to have to be burdened and and trapped by the pain of things that were said to you or said about you or done to you. or I don't want you to have to deal with maybe the hurt from a church or the hurt from people. I want you to find healing today. I don't want you to have to walk through physical pain anymore. I want you to be healed today. And the thing is, is that pain is a part of life. And Jesus knew that, which is why he took the nails in his hands, the nails in his feet to show us, hey, I'm gonna go through this so you know that you can have someone who knows what it's like to be hurt, who knows what it's like to walk in pain so that you can be healed. Walk into healing today and out of pain. And the last thing is this, is to walk into life and out of death. Walk into life and out of death. See, I think a lot of us, you know, if we were the disciples, put yourself in in that situation. You've given years of your life to Jesus and you're watching that stone roll in front of the grave and you know Jesus' body is in there. It's the end, that's it. This was for nothing. And I believe in that moment, not only was there the physical stone that was rolled in place and blocked the view of Jesus, but I also believe in those moments, there were some spiritual stones that were rolled in front of the disciples' eyes. The stone of fear, the stone of panic, the stone of disbelief that God didn't really say that or Jesus couldn't really do what he said he was going to do. And I believe what happens is a lot of us begin to live our lives. We realize, yeah, the stone is rolled away. Physically, we'll celebrate that. But here we're still dealing with some sort of spiritual stone in front of our eyes. I just wanted to show you this. And don't worry, I won't walk off the stage or anything. But I think a lot of us in our life and maybe people in our world are living like this. We know we're alive. We can feel the breath in our lungs. But we can't see the world God created us for, for us to live in. We've allowed so many of these stones to roll in front of our eyes, to roll in front of our eyesight, that, we can't, that we've totally forgotten who we are. 
We've totally forgotten the full life that God created us for. We've totally forgotten what it used to feel like to trust our lives into the hands of Jesus. And now we're blinded to everything else. Yeah, we know we're alive. We're alive. We can feel and touch and taste things, but we're missing out on the beautiful life that God's given us. The beautiful thing that Jesus has done for us on the cross and through the resurrection of Easter Sunday. And I want you to know today that not only has the physical stone of the grave been rolled away, but the spiritual stones that have blinded you and distracted you and hurt you for so long are taken and rolled away and you can see clearly who Jesus is. You can see clearly who your heavenly father is and know that you are created with purpose and passion for a reason by a God who loves you more than you can possibly imagine. The stones have been rolled away so you can go in. It's the last verse I wanted to give you in the midst of all this turmoil and trouble, Jesus says this to his disciples in John chapter 14, verse 1. I'm going to prepare a place for you. Right now, Jesus is preparing a place for you. There were people here before you probably woke up preparing this place for you so that you could have a moment with Jesus. As we close today, I want to pray for you and I want to walk you through those four letters on that connection card. Would you take that connection card back out and just stay in an attitude of prayer? I want you to kind of tune out everything else except you and God right now. I want you to look at those four letters on the card, and I want to walk you through them today because I believe each one, one of us is one of these letters we fall under that category today. See, maybe you call local city home, maybe you go to church, maybe you have a relationship with Jesus. Well, if you do us a favor, I would love for everyone here in this room to participate in this. If you would just circle the big letter A, that you're already in a real relationship with Jesus. I've given my life to Jesus. We want to encourage you and help you know that there's more. There's more to your relationship with Jesus. There's more things that he has for you. There's more things that he has for you to see and realize who you were created to be. But as we step into these other two, I really want you to have a moment of perspective and and honesty in your life. The second one is letter B. That maybe today you're gonna circle that letter and realize it's time to begin a real relationship with Jesus. Not a religious thing, but a real relationship with Jesus. To realize that you can be planted in the house of God in a community and find out who you really are. Next Sunday is Water Baptism Sunday, one of our favorite days. And if you would decide today that you want to begin a relationship with Jesus, we're going to baptize you next week. It's going to be a beautiful time because there is nothing better than the celebration of new life and those who fall in love with Jesus for the first time. Maybe you're beginning it for the first time or you're rededicating and beginning again because everything is fresh. God gives you multiple chances to begin again circle that. Maybe you would find yourself under the letter C today and you would say, you know what Pastor Ryan, I'd consider it but I want to consider it a bit more. I want you to know there is a place for you at Local City Church. You belong before you believe and we want to help you consider it, help you have conversations, help you think about it, help you see more and more who Jesus is and answer your questions and pray for you. I'd love for you to circle that today if that's you. And the last one, it may seem like a negative but I don't think it is at all. The last one is I don't intend on having a relationship with Jesus. Here's why I want you to circle that one and turn it in today when you fill out that connection card. You can turn these into the offering boxes or at Connect Corner where our team is going to be and they want to pray for you and, and encourage you. But I would have you circle this one because at some point in the next year, you're probably going to go through a difficult situation. And 
And I want you to know that even though you may have circled, I don't intend on having a relationship with Jesus, our church is gonna be praying for you. So you can know you're not alone in that situation. You can be reminded that you turned in that little card on Easter Sunday, 2022, and there's a community of believers who are praying for you. And I want you to know that you can move from D to C to B to A and celebrate that a relationship with Jesus, it's all that matters. It's always been Jesus. It'll only ever be Jesus. It's about him today because he is the only one that lived and died and rose from the dead as our Savior, as our Easter Sunday celebration. Come on, would you stand to your feet today? I want to pray and then we're going to worship today. Jesus, we're thankful for who you are. We stretch out our hands today and know that death could not hold you and your name is beautiful and it's on our hearts today as we trust you and give you our life on this beautiful Easter Sunday in Jesus' name. Come on, give me a good amen. Let's stretch out our hands and close service the right way.